0: It's time for Truth Unfiltered with Pastor Chad Harvey.
1: That's the next thing that's going to be prohibited. It's going to be called hate speech to say Jesus Christ is the one way to salvation. And I'm saying to you, church, in a day when everybody seems to be losing their mind, we have to stand against this demonic, antichrist spirit that says all religions are the same. There are multiple ways to God. We need to stop insisting that Jesus is the only way to salvation.
0: That's Chad Harvey. And welcome to today's broadcast of Truth Unfiltered. We're glad you're here. Pastor Chad is the teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, leading you to a deeper understanding of the Bible by putting the Scriptures in context, emphasizing how God's Word applies to our daily lives. We invite you to join us and allow the Holy Spirit to bring Truth Unfiltered to you. Here's Pastor Chad.
1: Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Verse five, she's called the mother of harlots. Here's what Satan likes to do. Satan likes to take the truths of God and twist it and corrupt it. And so God calls the church the what of Christ? The bride of Christ. Satan twists it, and this religious system is going to be the prostitute. Not the bride, but the prostitute. And, um... You know, it's very common in paganism to have female-based pagan systems. You saw that in Gnosticism. You you saw that back in Babylon. You know, pictures of the goddess Ishtar is seen holding her son Tammuz. The uh, ancient Germanic tribes, you have the virgin Hertha holding her child. In India, you have the goddess Devaki holding the child Krishna. That's common. In Egypt, you have the goddess Isis holding her son, Horace. You, you have these pictures of mother and child, and when Constantine came into power and decided to make uh, the, the Roman Empire a quote-unquote Christian empire, he borrowed this imagery from paganism of, of a woman and a child. Now, listen to me. This is one of the biggest areas where we have disagreements with Catholics. Uh, two areas. Actually, there's a, there's a bigger area. There's whole idea of soteriology, salvation. We believe... We're all sinners and messed up people. And God comes to us and says, I don't know how good you think you are, I don't care if you try to work, I don't care if you try to earn it, you can't earn it, I wanna give you salvation as a gift. It is free. You receive my son Jesus Christ, here he is. You receive him, you're saved. That's salvation by grace alone, through faith alone. The Catholic Council of Trent was 1550 or whatever, They say that is an anathema. Cursed be the person who says that you are saved by grace alone through faith alone. That's a big difference between us and the Catholics. Another one is this veneration of Mary. Now we respect Mary. We honor Mary. I can't imagine being a teenage girl and having an angel show up and say, hey, you're about to give birth to the Messiah. She had to be a strong, wonderful lady. We respect Mary, okay? And one of the reasons I'm saying that as well is down south, you can kind of mouth off to a guy. But there's one thing you don't do. You don't <laughs> you don't say his your mama, da, da, da. You don't mouth off and make fun of his mama. That's where he goes to town, okay? And I want to get Jesus mad at me. So, I, Jesus, I love your mama. Your mama's wonderful. She's great. But we don't venerate Mary. And that's actually Catholic doctrine. In fact, there's a Catholic doctrine called Matrix Redemptrix that says this. Mary and Jesus together are co-redeemers. It isn't just that Jesus redeems you. It's Jesus and Mary. They are co-redeemers. That's not biblical. In fact, Pope John Paul II has embroidered in his robes, Tatas tuas sum Maria, Virgin Mary, I am totally yours. What about Jesus? No, I'm yours. Pope John Paul also said, I am trusting that decisive moment of my death to the mother of Christ and to the church, to the mother of my hope. the the, the church of the Annunciation, when Darl and I take people to Israel, we take them to the church of the Annunciation, and there's good archaeological evidence that this is the spot where the angel appeared to Mary and said, you're going to give birth to the Messiah, and it's a beautiful church, but there on the ceiling of that church is this beautiful painting, and there's God the Father, God the Son, the Spirit is represented, but above all of that is Mary, above Jesus, seated on a throne. And so whatever religion this is, In chapter 17 that the Antichrist operates from, here's the first clue. It's a female-dominated religious system. Secondly, the the religion has global influence. Look at verses 1 and 5. It says this woman, the personification of this religion, she sits on many waters, okay? That means this is not a, a local religion. This is a universal religion. Catholic means universal. Number three, here's another clue. She sits on the beast. It's kind of interesting. Chapter 17, verse three. This 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 religious system dominates the beast, the Antichrist. The Antichrist defers to her. The Antichrist says, oh, I'll do whatever this religion tells me to do. He defers to the woman. He defers to this religious system until she has served his purposes. And then in verse 16, it says he will turn and he will devour the woman. He'll basically say, no longer do you need to worship God or where." You now worship me. Uh, number four, fourth clue to the identity of this religious system are the colors purple and scarlet. Look at verse four. It says, the woman, this religious system that the Antichrist is going to hijack, is arrayed in purple and scarlet. The designated official colors of the cassocks, the robes of, uh, of, uh, of bishops and scarlets are purple and scarlet. And scarlet. Kind of interesting as well, isn't it? And then there's a golden cup. You see that in verse four. A golden cup filled with abominations. The, The high mark of the Catholic mass is lifting up the cup. And could this be referencing to a corruption of that concept of the cup? We don't know. And then number six, sixth clue about this religion is it originates from, it says, the city built on seven hills. Verse nine. There's only, we got a map of this. There's only one ancient city that was the city built on seven hills. What city is that? That's Rome. Even today, Rome is called the city built on seven hills. And so the Bible's being really clear. So why I'm not being anti-Catholic. I'm just telling you, the Bible says that the religious system that the Antichrist dominates is the religious system housed out of the city built on seven hills. It can only be Rome. What, what, uh, what religion is based out of that city? Catholicism. And finally, It says it originates from the city that rules the earth, verse 18. There's only one city that in John's day was ruling the earth, and that was Rome. So here's the thing. If the Antichrist is Islamic, what he's gonna do is try to combine Islam and Catholicism. Beloved, we are already seeing that Babylonian spirit take place right now. If you're a Catholic... I'm sure Pope Francis is a lovely man. I'm sure I'd love to sit down and talk with him. I'm sure he'd be a great guy. But I'm going to tell you, you guy creeps me out a little bit because he's doing some things that I think are setting up this global phenomenon that we're seeing here. I saw a a video of him last week where he's talking to a young boy and the young boy says, Pope Francis, I I don't know if y'all have seen this, my dad was an atheist. He did not believe in God. And he died. And I'm so upset Pope Francis says, "Relax, your dad is in heaven now." Wait a second. Now atheists, who's not going? Atheists are going to heaven now. You're seeing this, this uh, ecumenical. Bring all religions together under one umbrella. You're seeing that take place in the Catholic Church. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to bash you guys, but listen to me. Pope John Paul II was incredibly universal. His famous book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, is an aggressive ecumenical manifesto. He said this, quote, Muslims worship the one true God. Hinduism is another means of taking refuge in the one true God. Buddhists have God's help in reaching true enlightenment. And right now, Pope Francis and Grand Imam Ahmed el Taib have been working on a joint project called, quote, the Abrahamic Family House. I don't know if you've heard about this. It'll be open in Abu Dhabi next year, and it is a religious worship center designed to bring together Catholics and Muslims to worship together under one roof. You're seeing Revelation chapter 17 play out just right before your very eyes. Unless you think I'm bashing the Catholics, we're seeing this in the American church as well. I could tell you, I'm not gonna tell you his name, I could. There's a prominent megachurch pastor now who's spending a lot of time trying to bring Christians and Muslims together and let's talk about our commonality and how common we are. That's that Babylonian spirit of Revelation chapter 17. I remember watching Robert Shuler interview the Grand Mufti of Syria saying, it is my hope that one day your son and my son can work together to bring Christianity and Islam together. That's Revelation chapter 17 being played out. Now, that's Revelation chapter 17. Revelation 18, very quickly, remember, that's the economic Babylon. What's the economy going to be like? Now, look, you'd think with uh, oceans turning into blood and meteor smashing planet earth, you'd think the economy would be just tanking. The Antichrist is a brilliant uh, economic, has a brilliant economic mind. And the economy actually does really, really well during the tribulation. And in fact, if you look at chapter 18, verse 12, there's lots of commerce under the Antichrist. Verse 17, great wealth comes into his capital city. And so Babylon is not only a religious center, it is an economic center. Now, what happens to Babylon? And This is fascinating. In verses eight through nine, that capital city of Babylon will be suddenly destroyed. And in fact, verse eight says Babylon is going to be destroyed in one day. And then verse nine says actually it's going to be destroyed in one hour. How could a huge metropolis be destroyed in one hour? Well, there's some hints here. In chapter 18, verse 8, it says this capital city will be scorched, burned with intense heat with a fire. Uh, verse 9 says that people are going to stand back and they're going to see a large cloud and that cloud is going to amaze them. Scorched with fire, a large cloud, what does that sound like to you? That sounds like a nuclear explosion to me. And in fact, to further bolster that, in verse 10, it says, kings and people stand at a distance for fear of her torment. I don't want to be infected with whatever it is that is tormenting her. That sounds like nuclear radioactive fallout to me. And so in one day, one hour, I think by nuclear blast, the whole city is absolutely destroyed. All right, now pastor, how are you going to make us feel good and how are you going to make this apply to us? <laughs> I stand before you now asking myself the same question. Where am I going to go with this thing? So, <laughs> Here's what I want you to understand. That Babylonian spirit that says let's bring all religions together under one umbrella and we're all basically the same. You call him Allah. He calls her uh, you know, Buddha. You call him Jesus. It's all the same God. That Babylonian spirit It is already at work right now. And some of y'all getting sucked into that mess. In fact, comedian Steve Harvey, no relation, articulates this the best. He says, there's no one way to heaven, no one way to paradise. It's like a television. There are over 800 channels on cable, and they're all pretty entertaining. So I'm pretty sure that to get to heaven, there's got to be more than one route. Because somebody watching another channel or taking another channel than you, they're still getting entertained, and they are still probably going to heaven just like you are. Now that sounds like a funny little analogy. You do understand that's not biblical, right? Because here's what the Bible says. Acts chapter four, verse 12. And there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. No other. Hey, I spent a couple of hours this week and looked at no other in the original Greek. I did some uh, some uh, lexicons, some word studies, parsed it, broke it apart, and you know what I found out that literally means? No other. <laughs> they, they just, I don't care how you slice it, there's only one name, Jesus Christ. Hey, all roads lead to God? Yes. All roads do lead to God. I don't care what religion you are, when you die, you're going to stand before God. The question is, what's going to happen to you after that? And there's only one road that leads to eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ. And uh, here's another one. John chapter 3, verse 36, Jesus says, He who believes in the Son will have eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides, remains on him. John 8, 24. Unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. John 14, 6. No one comes to the Father but through me. Hey, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is in such intense agony that uh, doctors call it hemiadrosis, that the capillaries underneath his skin, he is in such pain and agony, his capillaries start popping, and he starts sweating blood, and he's saying, God, God, can you let this cup pass away from me? In other words, God, if there's a plan B, let's go with plan B. This is so intense, I'm already in such agony If there's another way to save humanity, God, let this cup pass away. Let's go with plan B. And God says, Jesus, there is no plan B. You are it, Jesus. Do you know how offensive it is to the God of the universe to say to him, God, there's a hundred ways to salvation, and you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be spit upon, whipped, Tortured, hang on a cross for six hours, gasping for breath so that you can provide 101 ways to us. That's highly offensive to the God of the universe. And you say, that's just not fair. That God's only provided one way. It's not fair. I love how R.C. Sproul answers that. He says, let's suppose that there is a God who's altogether holy and righteous. And suppose that that God freely creates mankind and gives to mankind the gift of life. And let's suppose that because God loves him, he sets his creatures in an ideal paradise. He gives them food, water, perfect weather, perfect health. And then for no reason, these ungrateful creatures despise their creator and they rebel against him the moment his back is turned. But instead of killing them, he redeems them. And then let's suppose that God wants so much to be close to these rebellious creatures and to reveal his nature to them that he gives them his law to reveal who he is and their response, they mock his law and they break it repeatedly. And suppose God's response then is to reach out to them even more and lavish even more blessings on these people. And let's suppose the response of these people is to hate him and rebel against him even more. And let's suppose that God, still intent on winning these rebellious creatures back to him, sent special representatives called prophets to plead with his people to return to him. And let's suppose that their response is to kill these representatives and mock their message and to invent new religions. And let's suppose in an ultimate act of reaching out to these rebellious creatures, God himself becomes one of these creatures in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And suppose that this son came into the world not to condemn these rebellious creatures, but to win these rebellious creatures back to God. But let's suppose that these creatures took the son of God, mocked him, slandered him, tortured him, spit on him, and murdered him. Now at that point, God is probably right to say, okay, I've had enough. I've done everything I could. But let's say that God says, you know what? You've rebelled against me. You've mocked me. You've broken all my laws. You've killed my prophets. And now you've killed my son. However, in response, I offer you Total amnesty, complete forgiveness, and eternal life with me in paradise. The only thing I demand in return is just one thing. Honor, worship, and serve that son of mine that you killed, just honor him. That's the only thing I want in return. And let's say that the creatures say, wait a second, that's not fair, God. You've only provided one way to salvation, that's not fair. Hey, he was not obligated to provide any way of salvation. He could have sent us to hell all along, but he says, I, I'm going to give you a solution that is so simple, even a child can do it. After all that mess you've done, please just receive my son. And we have the audacity to say, you've just given us one way, that's not fair. And I'm just telling you, we want to stand against this Babylonian spirit that's saying there are multiple ways to salvation. I used to say, I'm not a prophet nor son of a prophet. Draw makes fun of me because she said, you know, you said that more than you realize. And so I'm going to say this, I am a prophet. Here's here's my my prophecy. They've shut us up about gay marriage. They've shut the American church up. They have successfully made it off limits for the American church to stand for what's right when it comes to gay marriage. And now they're like, wow, we got away with that? Okay, here's the next thing on the chopping block. Y'all know what the next thing on the chopping block is? The exclusivity of Jesus Christ. The day's going to come Well, that same culture that said, you can't talk about gay marriage anymore, that same culture is gonna say, you can't say Jesus is the only way to salvation. It's hate speech. Mark my words. That's the next thing that's gonna be prohibited. It's going to be called hate speech to say Jesus Christ is the one way to salvation. And I'm saying to you, church, in a day when everybody seems to be losing their mind, we have to stand against this demonic antichrist spirit that says all religions are the same. There are multiple ways to God. We need to stop insisting that Jesus is the only way to salvation. I have seen missionaries fall apart of that question. I've asked missionaries. Hey, what about the man in Africa or Asia or the lady who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and they die? What happens? Well, they obviously go to heaven. They do. Why? Well, because they never heard the name of Jesus. And so even though they worship false gods, since they've not heard the name of Jesus, they're going to heaven. Then let's call all missionaries home because they're safe in their ignorance. Because once you send a missionary with the gospel and now they have to make a decision and they say no to Jesus, now they go to hell. And I can see some lost people burning in hell saying, hey, thanks a lot, cross assembly. I was doing all right till you sent your stupid missionary and shared the gospel. And I said, no, now I'm in hell. No. Jesus is saying to this church, they're all in rebellion. All like sheep. They've all gone astray. And I want them to come back, send the gospel out. Because there's one way to bring them back. And his name is Jesus Christ. That's the heart of God. Well, I've overloaded you with a lot of stuff today. I want to close with maybe a, y'all, y'all ready for a children's uh, story? Can I read a, a children's story to you? That'll make you happy? All right, let me read a children's story to you. Kind of calm things down a little bit. This comes from a man named C.S. Lewis. He wrote a book called The Silver Chair. And in this children's story, there's a little girl named Jill. She's in the land of Narnia. She's tired. She's thirsty. She's dying of thirst. And she comes on a stream, and standing beside that stream, is a mighty lion named Aslan. Who do you think that represents? Jesus. If you're thirsty, you may drink. For a second, she stared here and there, wondering who had just spoken. Then the voice said again, "If you're thirsty, come and drink." And of course, she remembered that someone had said about animals in Narnia uh, that they uh, that they could talk, and she realized it was the lion that was speaking. Anyway, she had seen its lips move this time. And the voice was not like a man's voice. It was deeper, wilder, and stronger, a sort of heavy golden voice. It did not make her any less frightened than she had been before, but it made her frightened in a rather different way. Are you not thirsty? said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Well, then drink, said the lion. Well, may I? Could I? Would you mind moving away while I drink, said Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she realized that she might have well asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was nearly driving her frantic. Well, will you promise not to do anything if I do come and drink, said Jill. I made no promise, said the lion. Well, do you eat, little girls, she said? I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It did not say this as if it were boasting or as if it were sorry or as if it were angry. The lion just said it. Well, then I dare not come and drink, said Jill. Well, then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh, dear, said Jill, coming a step nearer, I suppose I must go and find another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. There is no other stream. And for the past 20 years of this church, I've been preaching that same message over and over. There is no other stream. There is no other fountain. There is no place to get your thirst quenched except the stream that stands behind the Lion of Judah, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. There's one stream, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I want you to stand with me right now. I don't care if you think you're a moral person, I don't think you care if you're Catholic, Pentecostal, Baptist, whatever. If you've not come to Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, for your forgiveness, for eternal life, he is the only way. I want you to say to Jesus, Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm a messed up person, I've done some bad things. But Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Lord, you, you paid my price, you took my punishment. Say this to him. I believe you were buried and I believe three days later God raised you from the dead. You're alive right now. Now this is so important. Say to him, Jesus, I turn away from my sin and Lord, I turn to you. Come and take control of my life. Say that to him. Come and take control of my life. Forgive me of all of my sins and take me to heaven when I die in Jesus name amen you said is that it I don't know what your Bible says my Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and I don't know about you that sounds corny but the older I get the more I'm just falling in love with Jesus the more I realize there's not a whole lot in life that matters except for Jesus I just there's something about Jesus Christ he has saved me he has forgiven me I belong to Him. It's just wonderful.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's Truth Unfiltered broadcast. We invite you to join us again next time for more great teaching from Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church of Raleigh. Pastor Chad is the teaching pastor at Cross Assembly, right here in the Triangle. There are currently two locations, Yonkers Road, right off the Beltline near Capitol Boulevard, and the North Raleigh campus near Triangle Town Center. But a celebration to soon launch a third campus will be coming in Benson. Cross Assembly believes in building people up and sending out spirit-filled agents of local and global transformation, so missions is part of the core value at Cross Assembly. Cross Assembly you're invited to continue listening here on the radio or join in Sundays online or on campus. Visiting crossassembly.org to find out more about Cross Assembly and how you can get connected. That's crossassembly.org. We
2: were Starting a process through the private adoption agency, we were presented with the foster care system and the opportunity to become foster parents. Got a referral for our first daughter. Doctors said she might not walk. There has been severe trauma in the head. She might not see. She might not be able to move. I asked the nurse, "Can we hold her?" And she said, "Yes." About an hour and a half, almost two hours. I remember holding her and praying, "God, is this what you want for us and our family? Heal this baby. Touch her." The next The next day when we came back, the nurse and the doctors were amazed. They were asking us, what did you do to this baby after you left? She started moving, she started reacting, she started tracing, something that she hadn't done in about a month that she had been there. I know a lot of people said, I don't understand how you can foster, where they can be at your home one minute, and then maybe a month later, when you're starting to get attached, the social worker says, okay, there's a family placement, or there's someone else that will be adapting the child. And we said, even if it's for one night, we know that they're in a safe home, we know that they will be loved, and we know that we have the opportunity to show Christ to them. Please pray for the kids in the foster system. Please pray for more people to open up their hearts, to open up their homes. There's opportunities, whether it be supporting a family that has adopted either privately or through foster system. It feels good that our family adopted three little girls. I can't imagine my sisters not being a part of our family because they mean so much to us. We felt like God was calling us to do that. Maybe God's calling you to adopt.
0: If you would like more information about Pastor Chad or Cross Assembly, visit crossassembly.org. Again, that's crossassembly.org. You're always welcome to visit us at any of our locations for Sunday morning services. You'll find locations and service times on our website. To support this ministry, text CROSS to 45777. That's CROSS to 45777. Join us again next time for more teaching with Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor of Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, and more of God's Truth Unfiltered.